So I don't think this is any big shock to any of you, but the last couple weeks have been hard. At this point, I don't even need to say what. I only need to say where. Buffalo. Nivalde. Ten days apart. More of these type of events than there have been days in the year. And on and on it goes. And we can add to that right in the middle of the two the recent report that came from the Southern Baptist Church. And if those of you who have not had the time or gumption to read the report, it chronicles multiple, multiple years of abuse in the Southern Baptist Church and multiple, multiple years of cover-up. Now, the church can often make its goal, especially on a Sunday morning, the joy and happiness of everybody here, right? We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to celebrate. We want Sunday morning so often to be like we're out at the beach, go to Hannah Park, enjoy the sunshine, gentle breezes, peaceful waves coming up to the beach. We spend our Sunday mornings frolicking in the goodness with each other. But in the midst of general sunshine, dear friends, there are times that uh, we get caught in a riptide. And it's when we get caught in the riptide that we can doubt whether this Easter movement actually exists at all. We haven't learned how to swim out of a riptide if all we've done is spend time luxuriating in the warm sunshine and the happy breezes and the gentle waves. If we get caught in that riptide and we don't know how to swim out of it, we are destined to drown. And when we've lost that spiritual life, the movement feels lost. Did you know, for instance, I've been telling the statistic a lot, if you look at 10 minutes from the church, there are 233,000 people near the church. Do you want to know what the single largest denomination is in a 10-minute drive of the church? Nuns. 75,000 people within 10 minutes of the church have said that they just don't do church. Potentially, many of them have got caught in riptides when all we gave them was sunshine and quiet beaches. So at some point, dear friends, if we want to help anybody, whether you're here on Sunday and you come faithfully, or somebody who's outside of the church who would just like to know how to understand what's going on, we have to sweep, we have to swim in the deep ends of the world. And we have to learn how to swim perpendicular to the riptides that might catch us and sweep us from shore. Now, I've never personally gotten caught in a riptide, but as any good new Floridian, I do know how to get out of a riptide. Thank you, whatever website told me how to do that. And there really are two things to consider. The first one that you should consider is that you don't try to swim against the current. If you try to swim against a riptide, you will get exhausted. 
Funny enough, I think that uh, our speaker here in Lamentations might have found himself pretty exhausted, caught in a riptide. Lamentations, this book that we did, tells the story of the laments after the fall of Jerusalem. What felt like the end of a promise by God, starting in Egypt and in the wilderness, that there would be a home, a kingdom. And with all the voices and the judges and in the prophets and the kingdoms, everybody's saying, you know, if you don't make it right with God, things are going to get bad. You can understand how our speaker here sees the destruction all around them as God's punishment. And the speaker continues to explore their grief over what has happened. And in the chapter before, the speaker recommends that everybody in the kingdom spend time with a never-ending torrent of tears all the time, day and night. But then, in the passage that we get to today, just a chapter afterwards, we see a balance take shape, especially in the last verse, which is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. That even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of one's face in the dirt, there may be hope. And the author here neither has some sort of sense of over-optimism, as if everything was going to be sunshine and rainbows after the collapse of Jerusalem, nor does this person entirely give in to despair. Instead, the speaker works within the grief to find whatever even whispers, even parenthetical hope is about. Put your face in the dirt, friends, because there still may yet be hope. And taking those two together, it creates a new angle that moves the speaker out of the riptide after the collapse of Jerusalem, moving perpendicular with a new angle versus trying to just swim against it. So, good rule number one. And again, practical advice for any of you who don't know how to get out of a riptide. If if you take that away from this too, that's great. The other recommendation, if you are so tired and you can't get yourself out and not fight the current, at the very least, the best recommendation is to float and to call for help. Float and call for help. Sometimes we're too tired to even figure out how we're going to turn ourselves perpendicular. When that happens, you get on your back and you yell for help. And when that happens, I mean, I I haven't been a lifeguard, but when I imagine, I mean, I watch these lifeguards, of course, they look like they have it all up on that big tower glistening sunshine, spending the day working on your tan. You know, there was a reason why Baywatch was so popular for so long, because that just seems like a fun thing. So I imagine when somebody has to get saved, when somebody has like gotten themselves caught in a riptide, now they're floating and yelling for help, well, that sort of breaks into your sunshine, right? It's, uh, 
not as much fun anymore. So I, I could give a lifeguard a break. They might get a little annoyed every time somebody's got to get rescued. If any of you have been lifeguards, you can confirm or deny that for me later. But my guess is at some point you're like, oh, I got to go rescue somebody else again that didn't know how to swim. But you wouldn't know it at the moment, right? Because they've got a job to do. They've got to save somebody. They've got to make sure they're okay. So annoyances aside, the moment of rescue counts. And here in Mark, we have a father who is scared. A father who is scared about something that's going on with his child. And Jesus here really is, like, strangely annoyed. Do you notice that? I mean, let's just be honest about the fact that Jesus seems like he's just over being on the earth at this point. It's like, I cannot wait until I'm done with this mission. I get to go home. Faithless generation, how many times do I have to deal with this? But that annoyance seems to continue to build a dialogue between Jesus and the Father, back and forth and back and forth, and eventually it elicits an honest, heartfelt shout. The literal translation might be, I trust, but help my untrust. I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And you know what? Jesus does that as Jesus does over and over again. And here's the interesting question that I think we have to wrestle with here at the end of this passage. In a passage that is actually very ambiguous when you read it through to figure out who's talking to who, is Jesus annoyed with the scribes? Is Jesus annoyed with the Father? Is Jesus annoyed with the disciples? We don't get that. But at the end of this passage, when the disciples wonder why they couldn't heal the boy, and Jesus says that it can only come out through prayer. I have to wonder whose prayer it is. If we follow the story itself, we see that that honest exclamation of I trust, but help me in my untrust is the moment that it no longer is a conversation, but is an act of miracle healing. So something tells me that in that moment of direct and true honesty about where somebody was at was the thing that mattered to Jesus the most. It is a moment when the unvarnished truth comes out, the heart to heart, a father scared for his child to the Savior, that healing happens. Which may mean then that perhaps Jesus' annoyance in this whole thing might have less to do about, I don't know, having to do one more healing, and maybe more about people's unwillingness to just float and yell for help. Now, once we're out of the riptide, we tend to head to shore. I mean, you're probably going to be tired one way or the other, right? Whether you float, I mean, unless you really just made it a point of floating and you woke up and you're like, why am I 500 feet from shore? Short of that, you're, you're going to work your way back home. So we all rest on terra firma for a while. But I imagine for most of us, if we get caught in a riptide, we will eventually head back to the water. 
but perhaps we'll be a little bit more wise and a little bit more aware. And if we get caught again in a riptide, we're more able to not let it exhaust us. And we might be able to help somebody else not get caught in a riptide. And certainly, we're better and stronger for it because we got through it. So I'm going to be really honest with you all then. That personally, I have been caught in my own riptide in the last couple weeks. And I think, my guess is a lot of you have been caught in a riptide as well. On Thursday, as I was confiding with a colleague and we were talking about what was going on, I said that I didn't think I was sure that I was capable of preaching good news this Sunday. How could you? Because I've had enough of people believing that skin color is a reason for violence. I've had enough of weapons of war being turned against children in what should be a safe place. That I should not have to hug my children extra hard the day after this happens because I don't know what's going to happen. Because I'm scared for teachers. I'm done. I've had enough of the Church of Jesus Christ meant to be an example of the Holy Spirit's movement in the world. It's supposed to be a safe haven for the weapons of power and unmitigated control turned against women and children. And don't be too haughty about it to the Southern Baptist Church because you know what happens here in the PCUSA. You know what happens everywhere. There's an opportunity for people to pray on somebody else and I have had enough. And I hope to God y'all have had enough too. And I will tell you, good most of you didn't talk to me Thursday night, Friday morning. Because the riptide was consuming me. And I wanted to do everything I could to just keep fighting. Right? I wanted to push against everything that had happened in the couple weeks. I wanted to yell and scream and wear myself to complete exhaustion against all of this. As if somehow... By fighting a little extra harder, I could overcome a riptide, a force of nature in which I have actually no control over. I was angry, and I was scared. And if I'm honest with you, I still am a little bit. But maybe the trick might be to lament first to bury our faces into the dirt and acknowledge the evil that we have witnessed in the last couple weeks so clearly and so well-defined. And even still to shout to God in the fear and the pain of the moment to a Jesus who is so tired of self-assured thoughts and prayers that it will not make miracles happen. But the prayer of an honest soul caught in the riptide, Jesus, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Jesus, I still believe you exist, but it is getting hard to find you. So today, on this solid rock, which we now stand, we recover 
and we heal. We take a moment to be exhausted, to find sustenance, to find community. And we recover and we heal, and now we're a little wiser. But we have to go back to swimming. We cannot let one riptide overtake us and make us believe that we cannot go out into the water. We have to keep moving because there are too many people flailing right now just to stand on the shore watching those too far out all their lives and believing they're waving and not drowning. But above it all, dear brothers and sisters, siblings in Christ, there is hope in this dust even still. It's the only thing that got me out of my riptide. And there is healing in the unvarnished cry to Jesus. But I believe, but help me in my unbelief. All perhaps, perhaps enacted on this high ground. So if you need to take a rest right now, friends, take a rest. If you've been fighting in a riptide, get on your back and cry for help. We'll come find you. Some of us have had a chance to rest, and we've gotten caught in riptides too. We have to keep finding those who are waiting to feel secure. Thanks be to God.